and then I formed WordPress and everything changed. Um, I went from trying to be a web designer. So like just trying to find web design jobs um, to being a WordPress guy. And it was the kind of best decision I think I ever made. Hello, and welcome to Pressing Matters, a fly on the wall style podcast about WordPress business and life. Your hosts are Ian. Hello. And Jack. Hello. Ian's a plugin author and works for Delicious Brains, and Jack runs better notifications for WordPress and his web design agency. Let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pressing Matters. Jack, what's going on? How's your week been? Yeah, good. Uh, what have I been doing? What have I been doing? Um, firefighting this week, actually, trying to Not get... No, no, not not literally. No, it's not my part-time job. Outside <laughs> web design, firefighting. Um, no, I, I, a site launch was going to go live last week. Didn't happen. It's this week. It's this massive site, and it's just taking. It just takes so long to do anything with it. So when you've got to regenerate thumbnails, five or six different thumbnail sizes for fifty thousand media items in WordPress. It takes a while. So it's like, hey, we want to launch tomorrow. And it's like, hey, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, I've been doing that and, and uh, more or less all of this week, actually. So, yeah, firefighting with the WordPress site. But it's, it's all fine. It should be up tomorrow, I think, now. So um, Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed, indeed. Yeah, how about yourself? Yeah, no, I'm good, thanks. It's not that long since we chatted, really, but I've just been doing the usual, usual work and, yeah, trying to trying to keep on top of life in general um but yeah this this week i guess we're doing something different again we've got some other folks on uh, the call with us so we're chatting to a couple of fellow uk wordpress people keith devon and mark wilkinson from high rise digital so welcome guys thanks for coming on Morning. thanks for having us so we just thought it'd be quite interesting to talk to you both because uh well Jack and I are both kind of freelancers, contractors, whatever, freelancer slash uh, agent, well, Jack's freelancer slash agency, one-man agency, should I say, I guess. Um, and you pair are slightly interesting. Well, not slightly interesting, that's probably a bit harsh. <laughs> both very interesting because, as I understand it, and I will let you guys tell your story, but you were both freelancers and now you kind of teamed up and created a, a super team i guess if that if that's right that has accurate. to be your tagline i hope that's your tagline high rise digital super team you can definitely do our marketing for us in <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> that's pretty that's pr- pretty accurate yeah um yeah we can get into get into the story hopefully it's an interesting one yeah so yeah what are your what are your backgrounds and you know what were you doing before high rise digital can, can i go first because mark's Everyone finds Mark's background story more interesting than mine, <laughs> so I hate, I hate going second. <laughs> so, uh, Feel um, free. Does this happen a lot then, this kind of like, <laughs> no, no, don't you speak, Mark. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in there before Mark ruins it for me. Um, my background story. So I guess uh, the web side of things, there was a seed that was sown whenever I was um, working in a ski resort out in Canada. So I was just after, after university, I'd uh, done a business degree, hadn't really, well, I'd loved university, but hadn't really kind of academically loved it. 
didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, so I went and lived as a ski bum for a couple of years uh, out in Canada. And uh, out there, my girlfriend at the time, her her flatmate or housemate, was a web developer. Um, and I just thought that guy has the coolest job in the world because he coded at night and he went skiing during the day and earned good money. Uh, and he's still doing it today. He still lives in still lives in Whistler in Canada. Uh, still works on the web. In fact, he might be in Vancouver now. But that kind of inspired me, and I've always been kind of interested in the whole um, the kind of cross point of creativity and technology. So I, I played around with. Uh, uh, music production when I was younger and things like that as well. So the first year of university was actually a music technology degree and then I switched to business. So that kind of like tech and creative thing has always been kind of a part of me. Um, so that kind of simmered for a little while uh, in the back of my mind. Um, and then a few dead end jobs later, um, I was back in, back in Northern Ireland working in retail in an Adidas shop as like an assistant manager. And it was just hell. I just absolutely hated it. Um, and I thought I need to, I need to get myself out of this. Uh, like, so my degree wasn't great, so I couldn't really get any kind of good graduate jobs. Um, my work experience was all retail based because at the ski resort, I'd been working in a ski rental store. So it was all, and I didn't want to work in retail. Um, so I thought, you know what, I need to get myself out of this. And, I remembered this kind of web thing and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a go so my younger brother had actually done a computer science degree and he um, he lent me some books I think one of them was called HTML in 24 hours uh, I can't remember what the other one was and I read through the books in the evenings like started coding some stuff up in HTML and then I found a book uh, by Simon Collison and it was I can't remember the exact title but it's something like professional CSS or something, or no, CSS beginner to professional or something. And that just, that just amazed me. And I, I would just loved it from then on. I was, you know, building, building websites for like friends and, and family and, you know, getting paid a little bit and doing it all in my spare time. Um, and then I made the jump. I, uh, I met, I met a girl who lived in London and um, she, she said, do you want to come and live with me? And I said, yeah, but I want to give this kind of web thing a go. And she said, sure, come over. I'll pay the rent. Uh, you can you can teach yourself and, and look for work and do all that kind of stuff. So she gave me that platform, um, ended up marrying her, uh, but, but moved Good to London time. and just jumped in, like really, really headfirst into the kind of freelancing thing. And it was really hard and really scary. I had to get a job in a bar eventually. Um, just to to help with the bills and things because I really wasn't contributing enough and I wasn't making enough through the web. Um, and then I found WordPress and everything changed. Um, I went from trying to be a web designer, so like just trying to find web design jobs, um, to being a WordPress guy. And it was the kind of best decision I think I ever made was to to focus around WordPress and... Um, and my kind of personal brand was, was now kind of aligned with WordPress. And I was probably one of the first people to do that really. Cause there was a lot of web designers that said they could do WordPress. It was like one of their list of many skills, but not many people were saying I'm a WordPress person. I'm a WordPress developer. Um, so that really kind of kickstarted my, my freelancing career. Um, and then alongside 
um, starting WordPress London, the meetup group. That was the other, that was the other big, big catalyst for me. And it kind of put me at the center of a, of a growing scene in London and the UK and yeah, never looked back. Um, and then I met Mark a lot further down the line, but we can, I think we can come to that a bit later. Nice. Can I just ask uh, Keith, how long ago was that? How long have you been uh, doing this for? So like going from, yeah. how long ago was, was uh, Canada and skiing to sort of today? How, what sort of, what, how many years is that journey? Uh, that whole journey is probably about 11 years or something. Okay. Yeah, so I, I think I started WordPress London eight years ago or like eight and a half years ago. So I must have been about a year before that I found the web. So I don't know, a couple of years before that I would have been in Canada. So yeah, that's about right. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I think that was a really interesting story. You played down. <laughs> I've, yeah. got, I've got to live up to that now. You stitched you up, Mark. <laughs> you've got to go around the world. You've got to do skiing, Mark. You've to be a tightrope walker. Just not that glamorous is mine, to be honest. Um, uh, so, so I started out um, as a teacher. So I was a qualified uh, teacher. I actually taught geography to start with because that's what my degree's in. Um, and in, I was teaching from early 2000s, uh, teaching geography. And then um, it got to, I think, I'd have to check this, but I think it was the Christmas period of 2005. And um, this thing called e-learning started in schools, which meant that we had to sort of use the web uh, more and more to be able to allow children to learn. Um, and the plan was that we were going to get some form of website up and up online that uh, we could put materials on for, for kids to download and view and, and so forth. Very simple in, back in those days, no interactivity or anything. It was just, you know, here's a list of links or here's some PDFs to read or worksheets or whatever. Um, and we didn't know how to do it. The, the school didn't really have any sort of resource to do this. Um, so I've always been into computers, I suppose. I don't really know why, but I have. And I was like the person that was like, oh, let's ask Mark because he might have an idea on this. I hadn't a clue how to do this. So in a similar way to Keith, I suppose, uh, we left for the Christmas period and it was like, okay, how do I build a website? So I had a look around like you do with, about like what's already out there that I can just piggyback on and and then started, like, like you did, Keith, reading books. Um, I think I've got a HTML book and stuff. And after I went back after Christmas and I had like a web page built. Um, and I was like, oh, this is, this is really interesting. Uh, and then it's kind of snowballed from there, really. I, I just learned more and more uh, using Dreamweaver uh, to build, build up a site. Um, again, just CSS and HTML. And it was really successful. And I had, I had lots of other teachers come to me saying, yeah, I want to put this on the site. I want to put this on the site. And it got to about early 2006, no, more like middle of 2006. And I was just inundated requests. I couldn't cope with, I couldn't teach because everyone was asking me to manage this website, basically. So I started looking for an alternative as to like, how can I get people to log in and like manage it themselves without having to come to me every time. Um, and then found WordPress out there seemed to be the, the good solution. And then, um, and then that's where kind of I took the next step, I think. Because I was like, I was looking at how to install WordPress, and it's like you need a database. It's like, what, what's a database? How do I know how to what one is? How do we, can we put one on our server? Can we do you know what is all this? Um, and at the time, we had at this point, the school had employed like um, I can't remember his actual role was. It was basically like um, a, a digital 
know what you call them, but basically a web guy <laughs> that now employed someone to help with this stuff. But I don't really know why, but at the time they were, they were more concerned about looking at the corporate image of the school. So building the school website and not necessarily learn inside of it all. Um, so I kind of went to him, David, he was called. I was like, oh, I've found this. It looks really good. Like what they're doing. He like helped us. Oh, like you need to do this and you need to install the database. And so he got that set up for me. And then I sort of got like a, the, the default theme installed and everything. And then just started from there. Like, again, in a similar way to I'd learned HTML and CSS, it was like, right, okay, so how do I change this? And you just log in, change the template. Oh, it does that, does it? Right, okay, save it and try that. And then just learned more and more and more as, as, as I wanted to do more and more with the website. And it got to the fact that we had then uh, individual websites for each uh, like department in the school and subject and so forth. Um, and then at this point, I ended up teaching IT and I ended up leading the IT department. So I kind of moved completely away from geography um, and started purely focusing on IT. Um, then the curriculum changed. So it was no longer IT, it was computing. So we had to actually teach how to code, computing code. So I kind of had to learn a bit more of that as well, which I was in good position because I'd learned how to do PHP and stuff. Uh, so it kind of all just fell into place at that point. And then during that point in time, I was like, I can probably make some money off this. So I started building a bit like Keith, really, some small sites for family and friends. And then the odd local business around where I live, paying us, you know, like a couple of hundred quid to build a site, a little simple brochure site and stuff. Um, and then uh, it got to the point where I kind of like doing that more than teaching, really. And it, and it got to the point where, and actually, it should, I should have done it a lot earlier than I did. But I think it was 2014 where I actually uh, handed my notice in with teaching and then went freelance, just went as a freelancer, full-time doing WordPress development. Um, I think it was the September of that year that we we first met, me and Keith. Um, we met at the WordPress London meetup. I was talking, Keith was in the audience, um, and I'll let you carry on, Keith, because <laughs> it was your, uh, your sort of, you, 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 you were sort of looking for help, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I think was I. I can't remember if I was still running the meetup at no, that point. No, you weren't. Okay. You weren't. Yeah. So I was. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was down and Graham and and yeah. Nairi then, wasn't it? Yeah. So I was attending WordPress London, and um, yeah, I was bidding for a project, or I just won a project that I knew I needed a bit of help with. It was it was quite a big client and quite a big bit of work, and Mark got up on stage and gave a talk about I think it was your deployment workflow with WordPress yeah. and I was like yeah he seems to know what he's talking about this guy so uh yeah we had a chat I think a brief chat afterwards in the pub mm. um and then the conversations went from there and and we ended up working together kind of on an ad hoc freelance basis for a year and a half probably yeah yeah, yeah. Something like that. I, th I think I came to that meetup because I remember yeah. seeing Mark speaking, yeah. And yeah. that's when I first met you, Keith, as well. Or yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that was, because that was 2014. I think it was September 2014, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's, God, that's mad. It's five years ago, isn't it? Well, so, so you started freelancing just together on an ad hoc basis, is that right then? So you just, whenever you needed a bit of help with each other's things and yeah. I guess overrun with business and... Because I guess yeah. at that point you were do were you doing well? Were you like you were, as you said, keep bidding for big projects? But yeah, I think that was probably kind of around the peak of I would say the kind of peak of my freelancing career. Then um, I've had enough had enough work in that I thought I could um, start building a team, and and that whole kind of team building thing had been something that had um, 
been playing on my mind for a long time because I actually like being part of teams. I, I, I didn't really love the whole solo thing. I love the freedom. I love, you know, the, the, I love the free and freelancer, but um, yeah, I didn't love the kind of loneliness of it. Um, and I wanted to work on bigger and better things and I knew I couldn't do that myself. So um, yeah, finding Mark who was much more focused and competent uh, on the back end side of things um, was really attractive to me. Um, and we had a really like good complementary skill set. I, I preferred working on the front end. He preferred working on the back end, uh, which was great. But we also shared a lot of values. We had, we had so many of those conversations when we were first getting to know each other. Um, and it was like, oh yeah, me too, me too. And like the more of those me too conversations you have, like the kind of better that bond is. And, you know, you kind of trust each other more and more. And, um, yeah, it just kind of it kind of went from there, and we just felt like felt like it was a good match from the start, really. So, how long was it between you know just meeting and having those conversations and and working together in in a two solo freelancing capacity to then you know taking that next step? So, I think we had the first conversations about joining forces officially as a, as a company. I think they would win towards the end of twenty fifteen. That's right. Um, because the company was formed in February 2016. Uh, so I think we, we met probably just before Christmas, isn't it? And uh, we met in London, I think, didn't we? And then we, we had a chat and about like, what the first steps were going to be, what the business was going to be called, uh, all those sorts of stuff, which was really difficult. Um, it must have been weeks of putting ideas on a Trello board about company names and stuff. And every yeah. time you search for the, the domain name, it was taken. Um, so you're going back to square one, right? What else can we have? So, um, so yeah, and then, and then we officially launched the company i think i think it was registered in february 2016 uh, but we didn't kind of start straight away we've kind of wound down our freelancing uh, businesses at the end of that tax year and then kind of kicked off high rise digital uh, when the new tax year started after april so yeah. that was when it all happened so you kind of had a clean break break financially yeah. in tax yeah. perspective and yeah, yeah. What, what what did you do with your existing freelance clients when you say you wound them down did you sort of transfer them over or did you have that? Yeah, Keith had more than me actually. Um, a lot of my clients, a lot of my work tended to be um, one-time work, if that makes sense. Like, I need some help with this, and then that's kind of like that's it. Whereas Keith had more ongoing clients. But yeah, any clients just came as part of the business then, and we 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 sent out emails and things, didn't we, to explain what was happening and the fact that essentially nothing would change for clients. It would it would well it would just get better really, because <laughs> yep. um, they'd have a, a better you know a better skill set working on the sites. Mark, did your um, your, your I mean, obviously Keith wanted to be part of the team and and wanted to and kind of saw that opportunity. Did were, were you sort of feeling the same way? Were you sort of I'd like to be part of the team. I like the solo kind of freelancer kind of you know everything that comes with that, but craving to be part of something bigger as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm um, I'm very happy working on my own I'm very happy working in an office in my house on my own I'm, I'm not that sort of person that craves that social like go to a co-working space I need to see people um, but what I did see straight away was that together we could achieve an awful lot more than I could ever achieve if I'd have stayed working on my own um, as I said I, I, I once I'm not interested in the front end and CSS but it was never where I was strong and I, I could I could see that I was never going to be able to to design the sites and build sites that that people wanted essentially so we needed to join forces to do that um, so it, it was the obvious thing to do for me in that aspect 
Sure. Yeah. And how has that worked out? You say that Keith, you like the the front end stuff more, uh, sort of the more designy sort of front end development yep. kind of side of things. And Mark, you were doing more of the back end stuff. Is that still true today? Yeah, sort of a few years after you you kind of joined forces. Yeah, absolutely. More, yeah, more than ever before. Yeah. Like our our roles have really kind of solidified in those two those two areas because and and that's like one of the biggest benefits of joining forces is that. I could actually focus on that stuff. So I'm a much better front-end developer than I ever could have been if I'd stayed solo. And I think the same goes for Mark because I just don't need to worry about that side of things. I don't need to keep up with it. I don't need to Mm. figure that stuff out. So I'm spending all all of my time in CSS really and like some JavaScript whenever I can make sense of it. But yeah, primarily, yeah, in CSS and the front-end technologies. And um, yeah, I'm a much better developer than it than I would have been otherwise. And I think the same goes for Mark. Absolutely. It's it's amazing how quickly you get better because you can focus more on the stuff that you, you're doing. Um, I've practically forgotten how to write CSS now. <laughs> Even if I want to change something's colour, it's like, what is it? Colour, font colour? Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I just don't write it. I just do not write it at all, oddly so. Um, yeah, sure. And do you find that... Um, do you ever find kind of, incon- uh, not inconsistencies, but kind of um, areas where, because you're passing front end and back end between each other, say, Keith, you'll do something front end, and then that will pose a real ch- challenge for for Mark on the back end. I, For example, I've had that multiple times where I've been given a design from another designer, and I've just got to develop a WordPress theme for it. And they've sort of sent me something because they're not a web designer. They might be a designer that works on websites, there's no kind of thought process about how that's going to function or if that's even possible or easy to do and what the budget constraints are of that project. Sometimes I've come back and gone, that's really what you've done. Great. Can be done. Very expensive or very difficult to do. Probably won't be able to do it within budget, that kind of thing. Um, How do you kind of manage those kinds of things where passing from front end to back end? I think when you're talking about, like designs, like you were saying then. So we would both always look at designs uh, mm-hmm. that, w- that we get given. Um, but actually, I think that's where it's handy that we've both done each other's role in the past. So yeah. that you do have an idea. So like when, when Keith's looking at a design, he's probably thinking about, well, how would we actually build that in WordPress? Is it a post type? Is it going to be a, a, a comment? Is it going to, how are we going to do it? I don't think it, you don't need to worry about how that actually happens, but you need to sort of understand how that would happen in WordPress. So that was always handy, and similar for me in the other way around. Um, but uh, yeah, I think for me the only the only thing passing backwards and forwards in terms of front and back end is things like I tend to write the markup, um, I think, which then might need t- tweaking based on what Keith wants to do with that markup. So sometimes that has to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the more you work together, the more you you kind of you know that becomes less of a problem because you, you've done it before and you know what's 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 required yeah absolutely i think you touched on it there where you say it's about understanding how that works within wordpress i think that is the key really yeah absolutely it makes a lot of sense it's it's worth pointing out as well that um we don't do a lot of design work ourselves so yeah we're usually getting past um design from Uh, either a design agency or the client's internal design resource. So we have all those same challenges that Mm -hmm. that you mentioned there, Jack, about like, well, that looks really good, but, you know, how on earth are we going to build it kind of thing? Um, And, you know, like 
things constrained perfectly in their little boxes and you think well what happens if that title's over two lines instead of one line so we we, we still encounter all of that stuff but um yeah there's there's less friction between what mark and i do it's interesting because we used to actually work the other way around and we may go back to it at some point but um the way we used to build themes was i would build the whole front end just basically as like static html css and javascript so there was no wordpress functionality and then mark would kind of bolt on the wordpress um but actually we're doing it the other way around now and i think that's because we've tried to standardize some of our working practices and especially around the back end how we do things in the back end um so typically these days like mark said he will actually be writing a lot of the markup and then hand that to me and then i'll make any kind of tweaks i need to that quite often it's just changing some class names adding another dev or two where i so i can you know position things the way i need to and things like that um but yeah there's there's a lot less friction than there used to be because we're just so used to working together now yeah well, of course well either way around i think it's just sometimes you know it doesn't doesn't make a great deal of difference i don't think uh, but yeah. like i think he said that we've been doing a lot with sort of like um, pre-built blocks as WordPress is going that way. So they're, they're all kind of already written and therefore that markup was written by me, but it, it, everybody knows what it is anyway. So mm -hmm. yeah, sure. We're working with it. So. You, okay. you mentioned Keith that um, nowadays you work more with clients that either provide their designs or a design agency. Um, and we spoke before about freelancing, you're kind of a jack of all trades, I guess, and you were designing the sites as well. And is, is that a change that's happened because you've kind of, you've grown and you've scaled and therefore you're getting the bigger jobs and those types of jobs have the agencies involved because they want like a specific design agency. You know, how's that come about? Yeah, I think, I think it is because of that, because of that growth and, and because of my, the limits of my capabilities really, because I, we, you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, I was a jack of all trades, so I would um, design, build the whole lot um, whenever I started out, but the kind of bigger projects that you work on, you just, you can't be good enough at all those things. And these days, like I, I'm still, a, I think a competent designer, He's but I, I, I don't, I don't focus on it enough to feel like I'm a good professional designer. If that makes sense. Like I don't have all those processes in place. I find it really hard to price design work. Mm. Uh, and you know, all, all that stuff. So I actually, as much as I actually love doing design work professionally, I find it quite stressful. Um, so I, I love working on internal projects and doing design for internal projects, or if there's a, a client that comes along and the, and the design work is kind of a bit smaller scale and the scope of it's kind of easier to handle, then I, I'll happily take that on. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just the, it's the way it's gone. And a lot of the projects, the projects that we really love are ones where the design work's pretty much been done. And yes, that comes with challenges, especially if you're working with a designer that maybe isn't, uh, hasn't worked on the web too often um but on the flip side of that sometimes those are the most interesting designs and and the most challenging and you'll you'll have to find workarounds and you'll learn a whole load uh, as part of the process but that's that's our perfect project someone has done all the all the ux all the copywriting all the design and they come to you and say build this in wordpress and we'll be like okay we'll do that and you know it's just for us it's uh it's easy to it's just easy the whole the whole process is easy because we can we can look at it we can break it down we can estimate all the different areas uh we're really good at estimating that kind of thing and, and coming up with prices so that's kind of the dream dream project for us really 
And and what happens if the client says, "Well, I want a design," but they're a large scale client? Do you have a design agency that you go to that you know? Uh, are you considering a third high rise digital person uh, in terms of the specialism of you front end, mark back end, and then a designer like someone that you, you just have in house? Yeah, that's definitely an ongoing discussion. It's a real challenge because it happens. You know, we get we get projects in and we think oh, we'd love to work with this client. <clears throat> but a big part of this job is design work. And typically we lose those jobs because right. we, we don't have, we don't have that solution in place. We can't just be like, yeah, we'll take care of it. And here's, here's designs we've done for X, Y, and Z. Uh, and we try to have those conversations like, yeah, we can set you up with a partner or someone that we know and all that kind of thing. But we, we find that it falls down at that point. I think it just, it introduces that little bit of doubt in the client's mind that, this is going to be like a seamless project and um, they're looking for that all in one solution, uh, that kind of full service agency. And, and we're not that. Um, and I think that's, that's actually been a real challenge for us is to, is to accept that we're not that. And we were good at this other thing and there's enough work out there at that level, you know, when it, whenever we're given designs, but um, yeah, it's an, it's an ongoing conversation and an ongoing challenge for us for sure. I think, I think often the, the people that, that have designs already uh they they appreciate that you know they they need a specialist wordpress development partner to be able to build those designs yeah. something off the shelf is is probably not going to work uh or something in this in the realms of a site builder is probably not going to work because the designs are precisely what they want if you know what i mean um, and actually those are, like I said, those are our best clients. Those are our, our favorite projects is like, we've got this really cool design here. Uh, everything else is done. We just need to build it in WordPress. Let us edit the whole thing. Uh, and that's where we really were really good at doing that. Um, and those are the projects I think we enjoy the most. I guess the, it's the thing, like you said, Keith, when you're freelancing, you, you kind of don't want to ever turn away business. But it's getting comfortable with saying no because and losing that business because, as you say, there is enough work from the sounds of it mm. of the stuff that you're doing that works for you so it's yeah but it's always hard to say no to new business isn't it and money basically it is, especially when you know that you could deliver what they're asking um i have a question actually a follow-up question from what you were saying about the page builder and giving the the clients kind of um well it, it's not the kind of site that they're after actually they're after a more con you know um constrained you know uh site within the framework of their design that's been given to you um how have you found the new block editor for wordpress have you like lots of people i know most people i know switched it off in order to keep that kind of restrictive not not restrictive it's not meant to be restrictive is it it's just that you are you are supplying them what they have paid for essentially isn't it you are giving them as much control as they need to keep their site from looking terrible <laughs> so um yeah i, I think that's the key that's yeah the key. so we, we're not out to build them a restrictive product that means yeah. that they can't do x y and z either now or in the future because that's not what we're trying to do mm. but what we are trying to do is make sure that the investment that they've made in good copywriting good design good ux isn't wasted by providing them with a product that won't follow those rules, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely, yeah. So we're trying to provide them with a product that's flexible, adaptable, but still follows the rules and guidelines that they've set up during that process of designing a website. Because mm. um, there's little point in spending what could be thousands of pounds on that 
and then it's just ruined by the fact that you can you know you can make decisions when you're writing content for example in wordpress that don't follow those those procedures mm -hmm. uh, and those design guidelines so what we're trying to do is build them solutions that allow them to uh, meet those decisions they've made but uh, still give them enough flexibility to create slightly different types of pages if they need it etc um, so in terms of the block editor um, we prior to the block editor and maybe maybe this was sparked by the coming of the block editor is that we uh, like most people I'm sure you guys use it as well advanced custom fields we we built our own little blocks plugin uh, using the flexible content field within advanced custom fields mm -hmm. um, and the idea was that was that it was going to speed up development a bit, make things more consistent for us when we were developing. Um, and we developed it in a nice and extensible way so that it was very adaptable for different clients. So we could have different blocks, we could have different fields in each blocks, and we could you know, do different things, but keep the core, uh, the, the same core base, so we were always running the same thing. And that was really successful. We used that on several websites, which was sped up development and made things much better. And then obviously when Gutenberg landed and, and, and WordPress uh, went for its block editor, uh, we could still use that, but we'd need to turn it off. Like you said, we'd need to turn off the new editor. And we have done that on some occasions where it's been appropriate. Uh, but we'd also have uh, built a new version of our blocks plugin, which actually does work with Gutenberg. Again, it's using advanced custom fields and the awesome team there that have made it work with the block editor. Um, so we have used that now. We've actually got that on a new project at the moment, which is... Uh, potentially going to run hundreds of sites in a multi-site so um that's in 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 the testing phase shall we say to make sure that there's no bugs and things but yeah it's looking good um so it is using the block editor um and not at a massive amount of issues ever kicked really i mean it's just a different way of of editing the content but it's uh it's gone okay it's gone okay great yeah no that sounds good and you, you haven't had any issues with um clients kind of running away with the block editor because it kind of gives you more freedom you know that's the that's the whole point of point is that it, it sort of uh, blurs the line a bit between you know uh what creating something a page or a post or whatever and and kind of design work so if whilst you've been working with it in this flexible content thing have you been making sure that the design of what shows up matches what you've had been provided for the design or is it is there a bit more freedom that you're kind of giving now with that kind of thing? I think the same, really. I think we, we have turned off some of the core blocks that uh, essentially the ones where we have created a block that, that delivers the, the design. Mm -hmm. we, so, for example, we've got an image block in one of ours, which has some uh, different options that allows us to, to provide enough flexibility, but enough... Um, What's the opposite of rigidity <laughs> to, to, to make them not go outside the parameters of what we want them to. And mm -hmm. in which case we'd switch the image block off in the, in the native WordPress so that they can't actually just have that one by mistake. So obviously that would then add an image and it wouldn't have the, the right sort of uh, wrapping divs and the right sort of styles and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so that case, um, but we haven't turned off some of the really basic ones like a list and a paragraph and, and those sorts of things. It doesn't seem uh, sensible to do that. What we have done though is, uh, we've made sure that all blocks that get added get wrapped in a specific um, uh, wrapping element so that they're all the same. So we can apply like, uh, well, Keith's probably better talking about this, but we can apply like base spacing to all the blocks because they've all got the same sort of uh, wrapping elements. By default, I think, like if you add a paragraph block to Gutenberg, it's not wrapped in anything, it's just a paragraph that ends up being output. 
So we want to wrap that with with a specific markup so that all blocks get wrapped with the same thing and then you can do the same sort of spacing stuff. Yeah, sure. That makes a lot of sense what you're saying about essentially you're replacing the image block and constructing it using ACF. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No, I like yeah. I like that approach. It sounds good. I yeah. think as well, like as as the block editor, can we still call it? Is it still called Gutenberg? <laughs> I don't even know. I, think I, don't know. I, I um, try and call it the block editor because that's yeah. in WordPress core, but Gutenberg, I guess, yeah. is like the beta version of that in plugins. Gutenberg is still the plugin, I think. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that's, yeah. So, like, as that, as that develops and evolves, I think we'll end up using more and more of its native functionality, but just in the transition, we've had to. Kind of remove some of it so like like the paragraph block like mark saying we haven't turned it off but we you know we we wrap it in in a in a div so that we can position it on this you know where we need to um and give it like background and padding and spacing and margin and everything like that in a consistent manner mm. but i think there's there's already in in gutenberg i think um like section blocks and maybe we, and we could just drop that paragraph into a section block and we just we we apply our, our spacing rules and everything to the section rather than the paragraph. So I think that what we what we're developing at the minute is 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 going to change as as Gutenberg evolves. But it's just it's given us it's given us a way in. So we've kind of got our old way of working that has worked really well and delivered really good results for our clients. But we don't want to ignore the future of WordPress and you know we want to we want to get involved and. and this method using using ACF with Gutenberg has kind of given us a, a door into that world. Um, and hopefully over time, we'll just kind of adopt native Gutenberg more and more. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually, I think, a question I'll ask any interviewer that we're having just to get an idea of, you know, the, uh, real world examples of what people are doing with the block editor and, and stuff. And it's interesting that you say that you've gone directly to ACF because it gives you that foot in the door and you know looking forward i mean you may you may not use acf in the future like you say kind of whilst you adapt with how sort of gutenberg and block editor kind of uh moves forward and everything it's just it's very interesting and i wonder how many more people have their first foray into using um the the block editor is via acf um and what they've done it's really interesting i think i i agree i mean i went to WordCamp bristol uh whenever it was was it may june may? May? Yeah. i can't remember um and I spoke to a lot of people there, and obviously the topic of the, the block editor in Gutenberg came up. And I didn't speak to anyone that was actually using like JavaScript to build blocks. They were all using SCF. Everyone was using SCF. No one was actually doing anything in what you might call a native way. Right. Um, Delving uh, into React and getting... Exactly. Yeah. And essentially, when you ask why, it's because it's just too difficult at the moment. Uh, whether that's because they've not got the knowledge, uh, or whether that's because it is difficult, even if you have the knowledge, I don't know. Um, but for us, it was that you know we didn't have the knowledge to do it that way, and ACF made it really easy. And we already use ACF; we know it's a good plugin. Why would we not carry on doing that? That makes so much sense. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens in the future, and I'm sure that uh, ACF's implementation of their block integration will also get better and more flexible and, and, and more options. So I'm sure that'll improve as well. Yeah. So, you know, where those things, both things go in, in the future as well. Keep an eye on it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting what you say, actually. I wonder how many people actually write custom fields, you know, via WordPress core mm. functions and, and instead they use ACF, you know, mm. the, essentially what Elliot has done for with the WordPress community is massive. That man needs to raise his prices. 
which absolutely. is high grade. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, I think the only time I don't use advanced custom fields for, for making like custom fields on, on post edit screens, etc., is when I'm actually making a plugin uh, for myself or that's going either out there into world or we're selling because obviously I can't rely on the fact that the client is going to have this. So that's when you do the old fashioned method and, you know, add Metabox and that sort of stuff. Yeah, not as fun though, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it's quite good to get back into it, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's not as fun a little bit, and obviously more time consuming as well. But I think once you've done it once, you, you speed it up. But it's definitely not as fast as using ACF for that one. No, no, quite. Yeah, cool. So going back to um, sort of the business side of things, because obviously you were both freelancers running your own business, doing your, you know, your own accounts, your own taxes, I guess, all of those bits of the non-fun development side of things like finding new business how does that work now that you're a two who does that do you both do it is is there a change of uh, roles and responsibilities mark does it all <laughs> <laughs> no so this yeah, no it's not true we, we discussed this didn't we at the at the start really making sure yeah. we we like had a fair amount of balance between the the, the roles so my role is essentially to do accounting and um, internal businessy things, so like uh, looking after things and like uh, accounts for various things and software that we own or that we buy and stuff like that. Um, and then Keith's role, yours is more sort of marketing and sales, isn't it? And keeping keeping an eye on the sales leads coming in and, and thinking yeah. about marketing. I, I think the marketing's blended a little bit between the two of us because it has to have. Um, but certainly you take the lead on it and you do more than me, but there's, there's more discussion perhaps has to happen about how we, we know the direction we go in. Stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think with, with marketing and marketing has been a massive challenge for us. Um, but yeah, with that initially it was like, yeah, I'll, I'll handle marketing and sales. That's fine. I'm, I'm interested in it and that I can do all that. But marketing is kind of, it is the business in a way. Like you can't, you can't do marketing without kind of understanding what business you're trying to build going forward. So you have to make decisions about the core business and the type of people you want to work for, the types of projects you want to work on. And I can't do that myself without Mark's input. So it, there has been a lot, a lot of blending and uh, a lot of Mark's input on that as well. Are you, is it just you two or have you got other uh, members of staff, other, other parts of the team? We are, recently um just back to back to the two of us we've okay. um we've hired a number of times and find it really difficult find it really difficult we find some some great people um some of or probably all of whom maybe weren't the right people at the right time for us um and maybe we um we underestimated how difficult it would be actually to to hire and to to manage people um mark and i were just talking actually earlier this morning that i think we did it too soon i think we should have we should have worked with contractors and freelancers more um and built built the business up that way before we started hiring so they were full-time employees that you know they were payrolled that you you went yep. through the whole yep. administration side of it as well as managing somebody as well yeah 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 and we've we've never had more than one like full time employee uh, on top of the two of us, um, and we've we've worked with contract like freelancers and contractors too, um, but we've had three we've had three full time employees just never you know not at the same time. 
Yeah. So well, yeah, so that's say like sorry, Ian. Sorry. There you go for it. Yeah, I was just gonna say what what would you say that your the challenge that you faced is with with uh, not not hiring, but uh, essentially hanging on to those people. It, it, you know, um, it, it must be difficult because you two are kind of you, you know your own independent kind of freelancers and joined together because that's what you wanted. Yeah. And then it sounds like growth was sort of inevitable for you, so you've needed to adapt to growth and get new members of staff in. Is that accurate? Would you say that was accurate? Yeah, I mean, it was it was very deliberate. Like when Mark and I. Uh, first first got together to discuss joining forces and starting a company we both said we wanted to grow a team that that was that was the goal um and it's partly probably mainly so that we can take on the the types of projects that we want to work on mm -hmm. uh, the more interesting work requires a more kind of diverse skill set um and to have that kind of ca extra capacity to deliver things a little bit quicker um but i think well, I think we probably made we probably made like a, more than one mistake, but one of the things we decided um, was to go for more junior uh, developers early on, and it's hard to say because we never we never tried out a senior developer, but I don't really think that worked out for us, and I think it's partly because of the the kind of level that we hold ourselves to doesn't really suit having juniors on the team if that makes sense so we're, we're like we're trying to do really really high quality work um and the people we had were great but they needed uh they needed help uh and more help than we than we could we have the time to give them we're, we're, we were too small a team uh to to have to i don't want to say hand holding because it sounds patronizing it's it's absolutely it's, not what i mean but bettering, isn't it it's, yeah, yeah raising juniors to seniors and that that needs work exactly and I, I think we i think we really underestimated that um and it, it ended up taking a lot of our time um and for, for such a tiny team whenever whenever we're doing anything that isn't directly billable it's really kind of scary and costly and um as we added team members we saw profitability decrease instead of increase and it's obviously the whole point is is the opposite mm. um so we, we didn't we didn't handle it particularly well in that sense um and i think we've we've learned some lessons but but also it was all part of the journey and that's something mark said to me earlier like we we wouldn't have learned these lessons if we hadn't kind of made those mistakes and we'll do things differently going forward and it's given us a chance now to kind of regroup so like i said we're back to we're back to the two of us and we're having lots of discussions about where we go from here because we've we've tried various things and uh you know the the industry's changing the marketplace is changing so it's an interesting time it's a challenging time um but i think with coming back to the two of us it feels like we're more we're more flexible like we we don't have the that kind of payroll demand uh to meet so we can kind of think, well, okay, well, why don't we try out this new avenue and like this new product or this thing over here or try out a new marketing message. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, it's only, it's only our necks on the line, not other people's livelihoods and salaries. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's an interesting time for us right now. It's very, so you, it's very interesting what you say there actually, because it's not the first time I've spoken to someone and they've said the exact same thing. And I know something that worked for them was that they, exactly the same but they had like kind of junior developers or people fresh out like university or you know or keen to get started 
and hired them. And in fact, what they found work was finding developers that were leaving a, a large or very large agency that were a bit fed up of how much kind of they had to churn through everything. So it was mm. just the pace was very fast, you know, at the time was, you know, very tight. It was kind of longer days than they wanted to do. It wasn't, you know, wasn't terrible work. It's just, it was very high paced, but they had built up their experience and the handholding been done by a company that had more resources to do yeah. so. And they were looking for a change of pace, mainly to slow down a little bit. And so they were already developed in, you know, their skills set, but you know, it might suit a company like yourselves quite well. Um, but that's just something that, that they did and they, they found well. So yeah, they, they, you don't have to do that handholding. You'll probably have to pay a little bit more for that developer, but they'll also be a happier developer because they get to do what they want and mm -hmm. they're getting a slightly better salary and, and you know, you'll, you, you won't need to do any of the, uh, the kind of the management stuff so much. The, I think the only adaptation you'd have to do is, is for them to a, a new company, which is normal for, for anybody starting a new role, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And possibly remote as well. Remote, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's also a challenge, isn't it? Especially with with uh, a junior, is because you can't sit beside them and have that kind of direct interaction. It's a lot of uh, them on their own trying to figure things out, and I think that can be that can probably be quite stressful mm -hmm. uh, for for the employee. Um, I know it was for me. I did I did a little bit of uh, freelance work for agencies whenever I was freelancing and. I find that really stressful because the, the agency, it was code for the people. I did a little bit of work for, uh, and there were like a top WordPress agency uh, doing really amazing things. And I had massive imposter syndrome working for them. And I remember feeling super stressed. I, I was given a task and it's like, okay, report back tomorrow. And I was like, spent that next 24 hours just freaking out that I wasn't doing things the right way. And uh, I think if I'd been in a kind of office environment, that might have actually been better at that stage of my career. Mm. Sure, it's, it's difficult though, isn't it? Because it's the difference between if you are just hired help to get a job done or you are you know, hired as a full-time junior developer where you expect there to be that growth. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, it's... So I guess for now, the plan is to not hire again, uh, you know, the full-time payroll person. And just see how things go as and with the need of work and contracts contractors i guess yeah certainly for the next uh six months or so i think you know we'll see how see what happens we've got we've got some ideas and plans and things in place for going forward so we'll uh we'll see how well or how not well they come off <laughs> we'll catch up with you at a later date then i guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you said about working remotely and sort of hiring remotely as well where are you both based by the way uh, I'm based in Leyland, which is in Lancashire near Preston. Been and I'm down in Folkestone and Kent, down on the southeast coast. Okay, so as a, re I mean, for, in terms of you know the UK, which is small anyway, there's a reasonable distance apart. Um, how do you meet up? Do you have like a, a regular, you know, kind of meet up or once a year, like a? I suppose it's not like going to be like a massive team break kind of thing. Do you both go off to Barbados and enjoy yourself <laughs> so once a year or? <laughs> <laughs> we tend to uh, we tend to try and get together uh, as a team or as the two of us it will be now a couple of times a year um, you know getting a Airbnb somewhere and spending some time working on something or planning something or something like that a couple of nights a couple of days as such uh, so in I think in yeah it was January wasn't it we went to 
we went to the Italian Dolomites and we stayed over there. Um, that was beautiful. Um, and then where else have we been? We went down to... We did one in London. And oh, yeah, we did one in London, didn't we? And then we did one, what was it? It was a little village in um, near, what was it called? Near Leamington Spa. Leamington Spa, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. That was really nice, little quaint place. So we did some time in there. So we do that, we try and do that a few times a year. And then obviously we see each other at WordCamps. So yeah. WordCamp London this year, we, we all tend to go down as a team and we, we, we see each other there. But we, we started off trying to like plan retreats around a word camp but we've just found that you don't actually get any time to do other stuff the word camp kind of just takes over and rightly so i think you know you want to go and absorb the information and enjoy the event and meet other people and stuff so mm-hmm. we tend to just have those as sort of separate events now but um yeah we don't we don't physically see each other an awful lot really i think is it twice this year it's probably word camp london and on that meetup no, we, well we had we had that meeting in birmingham recently as well oh yeah that's right we did Something I'm really going to miss, actually, now that we've kind of downsized, is, is like that yeah. the trip we had um, in Italy there, especially. It was just so fun. It's it's why I wanted to have a team. Like I really felt like this this is our team. It's such a great mm. bunch of people. There was four of us on that. Um, so the, the three kind of full time, and then our like one contractor as well. Um, and it was just amazing. And I'm really going to miss that. Uh, if, that's kind of one of the main reasons I want to grow a team again so we can go on nice trips. You just but, don't have to just speak to Mark. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Shocking. Shocking. Yeah, I can't speak to that. But um, Ian, I know you go away with delicious brains on sort of company retreats and things like that. So, Yeah, I mean, interesting what you're saying, Mark, about um, going to retreats around a WordCamp. We've kind of flicked between, you know, we initially did that and we did that two years in a row and we found it a bit of a drain on our time, even though we were probably out for a week in total and, you know, I contributed today in two days of the WordCamp, it ate into it. And then we went the other way and had two retreats where it was just purely the retreat. And actually we found it probably either too long or not enough other stuff. So we've now gone back to the WordCamp format, um, which I think, yeah, I mean, because we're a product WordPress team, it makes yeah. sense to do the WordCamp. Um, but yeah, it does. It's nice to have the variety of that, you know, seven day period where you can hang out with your work colleagues and do your fun things and team building and some work, but then also go and see other people and meet other people within, you know, the the, yeah. the, work, the, the, the WordPress space that we're working in. Um, I think another reason is we, we've struggled to get away for more than sort of two or three nights, haven't we? So we've everyone has had young families and stuff and it's been really difficult to sort of like disappear for a week and uh, so yeah. two nights has been sort of like an ideal time really uh, and when you're obviously at a word camp that doesn't really leave much time to have a session where you where you're doing some work related stuff rather than word camp related stuff um mm. if we could you know if we could get away for sort of four or five nights then we, that might work at a word camp a bit better and you know have a, a couple of days before and a day after or something yeah it is tough with families definitely and yeah yeah, it's a, a yearly, uh, it's a big thing out of the, you know, out of the week to do. Hmm. Um, so going just back to kind of the things I wanted to talk about, we spoke a bit about, Keith, your role as sales and new business and marketing. And obviously, I don't think we can not speak to you and talk and not talk about the pricing thing that's that's been on your mind, I guess, a lot, because I've seen it on Twitter and we've talked about it and you you know, you're trying to set up a, a new podcast, I guess. 
Do you want to talk about that and why that's come about? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've just kind of launched episode zero, kind of the trailer episode of what I'm calling Pricing WordPress Podcast. And it really came about just because it's something that we find really, really hard. And I, I listened to some other podcasts around pricing, specifically uh, Jonathan Stark. I, I don't know if you've ever come across him, but he's, he's a value pricing guy. And I've, I've long been kind of intrigued by the whole value pricing idea and, and trying to kind of introduce it to, to the business and I'm struggling to do so, like really massively struggling to do it. Um, so pricing has just been super, super interesting. And then a couple of things happened recently um around pricing when we've had like new inquiries in and some kind of questions have come up and i put i put a tweet out and it was a little pricing conundrum it was um it was basically it went along the lines of you've you've given a client a fixed quote for a bit of work bit of wordpress development work and they've agreed they've agreed the price then as you start to build said uh, said bit of functionality, you find uh, a plugin that does a large chunk of the work for you. So you don't actually have to do this custom development work anymore. It's going to say take you half the time. What do you do? Do you charge the client less or do you just accept uh, the profit that comes from that? And I put that out as a, as a poll on Twitter and it really re it resonated with people. Like most of the stuff I put out on Twitter is just gathers tumbleweed, but uh, this really kind of seemed to strike a nerve um, and it got, got a really good response and there was a really interesting uh, conversation thread off the back of that. And I thought, do you know what, there's, there's something here, like I'm not the only one that struggles with this. Um, other people are interested in this topic and there's some really diverse views and opinions on it too, which I find really interesting. Um, so I thought there's, there's, there's a topic here that isn't, isn't really being addressed and I guess it comes back to the whole kind of creative technology kind of thing. Um, and I've been thinking about podcasting for a long time. Um, and I thought, you know what, there's a little, there's a little series in this, a podcast that I can just kind of put out there, do 10 or 12 episodes and just call it a day. Like, cause what I didn't want to do is think I need to start this podcast and it's going to go on forever. And now I'm tied to it for life. Cause I thought, I'll just, I'll pick a topic that I can explore and then finish. Who knows? I mean, it might go on and on, but if, if it's, if it stays interesting and popular or whatever, but yeah, that, that's, that's where it came about. So I'm in the middle of uh, putting together uh, a list of people to interview and I've got some amazing responses. Ian, you've helped me um, put me in touch with a few people and uh, pretty much everyone I've asked to come on the show has said yes. So awesome. I've got some really, yeah, really, really cool uh, guests lined up and, I'm just, I'm excited about it. I, I feel like I needed something like this to kind of get me excited again, something a bit new. And, and like we said, you know, we're at that point in our business where it's back to Mark and myself. And I feel like we've got a little bit more of that flexibility to test out some ideas and uh, to have a go at these things. So yeah, it's called, it's called pricing WordPress, pricing WP.highrise.digital is, is where it sits at the minute. Um, oh, great. We'll, we'll put there. a link in the show notes. Yeah. yeah um, so just going back to what you said about price uh, value pricing. So that is yeah. the opposite of pricing by the hour, I guess. And it's taking a piece of work and saying it's going to cost 
this yeah. rather than it's going to take me X amount of hours and I charge Y per hour. Is that exactly? Yeah, yeah. It's get, I, it's getting away from that association of time equals money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and how do you typically? I know, obviously, this is the reason why you're doing this podcast yeah. series. But how do you typically price your projects? Are you, you know, standard value pricing or? Um, yeah. Surely you don't build by your hour, but both of you. Uh, we 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 do actually do a lot of hourly type billing. So we, I guess, our two main models are um, retainer based. So we've got um, maybe seven or eight clients on retainer, um, and they they buy effectively a chunk of hours um, or days per month from us, and we we work through those with the tasks that they that they give us and we work through that time and then when we run out of time we stop and then we start again next month so there's that model and then there's also the model uh we do some fixed price work um and typically that's the kind of project that we were talking about earlier when someone comes to us and they've got designs and they say can you build us that in wordpress because we're confident that we can accurately estimate that and that the yeah. scope is is fairly confined and constrained so we're happy to give fixed prices on that so those are the two main models that we work with at the minute so we don't we don't really value price anything uh because i haven't figured it out yet basically yeah it's it was definitely an interesting tweet when i saw that about the you know I've, i'm doing a feature development i find a plugin um and uh, i personally I, I was reading some of the replies when people who had said, well, I would charge them less. And yeah. I couldn't believe it because to, to me, WordPress is such a, um, a platform and such a framework that, you know, with the plugins out there, just because you're charging money for it doesn't mean you have to hard code or hand code everything. Um, so, I, you know, I was sat there going, charge the same. Of course you charge the same. Why would, yeah. why would you? You know, so it's so interesting to see those. And I think somebody had replied saying, you know, if you hire a plumber to come and fix something, and it takes them 10 minutes to fix it. It's because they've spent years finding out the best way to do it. And that's why it takes them 10 minutes. And therefore, it's not, it shouldn't be time pricing. Yeah, and that, absolutely. I completely agree. And the other side is that that's, it's, it's, I don't know if rare is the right word, but a lot of the time, it'll be the other way around. And you'll have quoted for something that actually takes you longer than you expect. And what do you do at that point? Because if you're not going back to the client asking for more money at that point, but you are offering them a discount when things take less, then surely you're losing like in the long term. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's fascinating. And it actually came up recently. A friend of mine has an idea for a web-based uh, business and we were, we were in conversation about it and he was, he was kind of pitching the idea to me and I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, we can do that. WordPress is a super platform for this. Um, and he's like, can you give me a ballpark figure? I was like, well, not sort of not really at this point, but you're, you know, you're talking thousands of pounds, potentially tens of thousands of pounds in, in development time. And <laughs> he was like, oh, okay, that's a lot more than I was you know, expecting to spend or whatever. And that, that was fine. And then I got, <laughs> a week or so later, he sent me a link uh, to an online like product, like a, a SaaS basically. And he's like, check this out. And I clicked the link and I just... I died a little inside because here's the exact thing he was he needs, and it's thirty quid a month. You know what I mean? And I was just like, mm -hmm. oh wow. So if if we'd gone through the process and he'd he decided to work with me and I charged him that much money, 
is that still value? You know, or is that the point where it's a ripoff? I, I would have been ignorant to the fact that this, potentially ignorant to the fact that this other surface existed. So that, that's, that's why I find it fascinating because he might have just thought, okay, yeah, I can see the value in, in the custom build and he may have shelled out 30 grand or whatever it is. And then, but what happens if he finds this solution, you know, after that happens? Like it just, I find it all fascinating, the whole, the whole topic of pricing and value. So hence the podcast, just want to dig into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to listening to it because this, from the sounds of it, you've, you're attacking it from different angles because the WordPress pricing WordPress, as you've you know probably very deliberately positioned it as is quite broad when you talk about uh, sites for clients or mm-hmm. selling plugins or, you know, services or maintenance costs and things like that. It's yep. there's, there's such a world of um, differences and um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Thank you. I'm sure. Yeah, it yeah. will be. Me too. Relevant to a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it too. I listened to episode zero the other day. I was pushing my son around in the morning uh, for his sort of first nap. And I had a, because it was only like sort of seven or eight minutes or something. Yeah. I thought, oh, it's okay. I can consume a load of little podcasts in this walk. So yours was the, the top of my list. And I thought, all I want to do now is listen to the rest of the series, but you haven't made it yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, Keith, got, yeah, I was hooked from that first episode. So yeah, I can't, I can't wait to hear more. more about oh, that's cool. No, I really appreciate that. I'm glad it was you listening to it and not your son, Jack. I thought maybe you'd put it on for him. <laughs> <laughs> I need I my screen for any swearing or anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's straight to sleep, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Right, sounds good. I think I responded to that uh, sort of little poll that you did actually as yeah. well. Um, it's something that I do, uh, not sort of value based as such, but like the minimum I always charge is an hour. So if it's an, if it's an existing client that needs something small done, that's that's the one hour is the minimum charge, even if it takes me five minutes, because there's always a bit of overhead that comes with that kind of thing, like, you know, emails or back and forth just afterwards. And, you know, can you do this? Yes, I think it will take this long. Okay, then can you go ahead and do it and then do the thing and then it's done. And then by the time you've done all of that, you know, if everyone was charging, you know, for 10 minutes worth of work or something, it'd be a bit sort of silly really, or you kind of round it up. That's what I normally do. I round it all up into days or something after you've done enough of these little chunks of work and everything and um yeah i'd be fascinated because so that's kind of like a value-based thing because yeah you're you're doing the thing for them but you're not necessarily charging them for the amount of time that it takes they just want that thing done and they understand that the minimum price for that is one hour or something so i kind of saw it as that i suppose it's is it slightly different to there's that it's going to uh this little change or this page that you want constructed it might be like a new sales page or something is going to potentially earn you say 10 grand's worth of business normally it would take me half a day to put that together and so it's a couple hundred quid or something but you charge a thousand pounds for it is that kind of what you're referring to in value-based pricing as well because ultimately they're going to get more than yeah. what you're charging but you're charging more than what it would normally take you to do yeah, I mean, it's, well, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert, hence the podcast and wanting to talk to experts, but effectively that's that's right. So it's it's detaching the number of hours or days from the price. Like it, it doesn't matter. It's, it takes as long as it takes, but this is the price. And this price is good for you, the client, because it will improve your situation by 10x this price. Do you, do you know what I mean? So like what it's come up interestingly recently. And this is, I guess, another reason for the podcast and another one of the conversations that, that sparked it off was 
um, we we sell we sell a couple of plugins, um, and we're trying to price them. And one way to do it is to look at the competition or look at the kind of general market and say, well, plugins cost approximately like somewhere between 30 and 60 quid or, or whatever it is. And we'll, we'll, we'll sit in that range. And if we sell this many, then we'll make this much and, and, and whatever. And, and hopefully like the, the amount of support that we'll need will only be an hour per whatever, per whatever kind of thing. And that's one way to look at it. Another way that we've started looking at it is who, who's buying this plugin from us. And, and the one I'm thinking about that we sell, it's, it's primarily developers that buy the plugin. So this plugin is saving them a whole bunch of time. It's not a particularly complex uh, plugin, but for, for a developer to, to come in, learn how to do this, develop a from scratch solution, will say for the sake of argument will take them three days now if they can buy that same solution for what it would cost one of their days does that not make sense for the developer mm. yeah and, and and that's that's value pricing so you know it's 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 taking it away from it doesn't matter how long it took mark to develop you know it's it's how much is this is this worth to the person buying it and and pricing it somewhere somewhere ben, like kind of beneath that i guess that makes it makes it attractive then you, you sell the as many as you can um but at a price that works for it's for you and the and the buyer it's it's trying to get to that win-win really mm, absolutely yeah i actually keith that's interesting you're saying about that because on um so delicious brains big plugin is wp migrate db pro um and i think over time we've had some price increases but there's always been uh a paragraph on the pricing page that says seems a little pricey let's do some math maths mm-hmm. um let's say you because it's a d- developer tool let's say you charge 50 pound an hour and migrate db pro saves you or only needs to save you five hours and your developer license is paid for itself it's kind of that um that angle isn't it it's like this is going to save you time in the long run yep. so why when it's going to cost you x per year it's a no-brainer, surely. Um, so yeah, that, that's a really interesting topic. There was um, another really interesting example recently. I don't know if um, any of you saw the book that was released called Refactoring UI. Did you come? I don't know if you came across that. So it's um, Adam, Adam. Adam Wathen, yeah, and Steve Sugar. Is that his name? I can't remember how you pronounce his name. But um, two guys came together to release, to, to create and released this this book and there was a lot of kind of pre-hype uh on twitter and i was totally went along for the ride i was like oh i love everything these guys are putting out i can't wait for this book and then and then they released the book and it's 150 dollars an, e- an ebook for 150 dollars and everyone's like what like you can't you can't charge 150 dollars for an ebook and that was my kind of initial reaction as well. I was like, whoa, whoa, that's like way, way more expensive than I was like first expecting. And then I thought about it and I was like, but I really want it. And this is, this is really, it's really going to help. And then actually there was a project that we had on where this was just the perfect book and set of kind of resources. Like it, it was perfect. And I just thought $150 is actually going to save me a day's worth of work 
uh, and make me a better, potentially make me a better designer. This is a total no brainer. And I just like, it, I totally did this flip in my head. I was like, this is, you know, it's, it's cheap. Like this is gonna, this is gonna save me money. It's, this isn't expensive anymore. And it, it sold absolutely loads of copies, you know, and it was just these, these guys, they effectively value priced it. They didn't, they didn't look around and think, okay, so an ebook should cost X or Y compared to all these other ebooks. They just thought, well, what, what's this worth to people? And, and we'll charge, we'll charge something around that. So just thought that was a great example of value pricing. And it is a really interesting example as well, because it, it's based around the sort of the psychology aspect, because I don't know if you'd listened to the, the, the Indie Hackers podcast had Adam Wathen on it, talking about his sort of story and how he got into releasing courses and books and then how he met Steve and, and they obviously got to this point of the refactoring UI. And I first came across some of that stuff, just Steve Schroger's tweets where he just yeah. did like a, you know, the flame emoji. And then this is, if you're designing this part of a UI, it's best to do font weights because then it gives it and, and just a little, either a gif or an image and just really actionable tips. And yeah. he'd been tweeting those sort of on and off for months, I guess. Yeah. And I was, at the time, I was just people pointing them out, uh, like in our internal Slack channel, or seeing them on Twitter and thinking, God, they make so much sense. Like they are really, really valuable nuggets of design um, tips and, and things that you can actually put into practice. And I just thought, God, this guy's like an awesome designer, tweeting out some tips and probably building his own brand and his own authority at the same time. Um, but like this guy knows his stuff. Yeah. Um, and then when I listened to the Adam Watham, um, interview on indie hackers like they had they knew that they were doing the refactoring ui book and like those tweets were planned like months like a year or so in advance and, and i'm not saying this is like a nefarious practice or anything i just thought this was super smart and like yeah. it I, I bought the, the, the ebook like and i don't do any design work really at the moment but <laughs> yeah. these are such good tips like yeah. if this book is filled with stuff like these tweets then that's that's amazing value for money um but yeah i just found it so interesting that they 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 actually drafted and um sort of curated these tweets and compiled them and crafted these tweets as probably spent as long as time as i'd write a blog post like yeah. you know what i mean like it, it was a marketing tactic and it worked yeah. it was really really smart and really interesting i didn't know that actually i i I thought that potentially the book had come off the back of the success of those tweets. So it's really interesting to hear that that was, that was very deliberate. Yeah. And like you yeah. say, nothing nefarious about that. I just think that's, that's clever. Like they're, yeah. they're putting great value out there and uh, people, people loved it. And Building an audience and yeah, yep. really, really smart. Yep. Um, I guess we're, we're getting close to wrapping up. Um, and with that, Obviously, you, you guys are back down to two now and you've had some lessons learned. And, but do you class high-rise digital as a success? Are you, are you happy where you are? Are you, you, know, are you guys growing? And do you know what I mean? Like, is it where you want to be? Is it, is it something that you know, high-rise digital is going off in the future? Yeah, I think it's... Uh, if you'd have said to me back in February 2016 you'd be at this point now in whatever we were in 2019. Yeah. Um, and I said, yeah, great. We've done well. Yeah. Let's, let's carry on. Let's get, let's, let's make it better. But let, you know, I, I said, definitely we've, we've been a success. 
Yeah, I think the big thing for us as well is that, and this is something we've come to realize recently, um, is that we we're not building a big agency. Like we're not a growth based agency. We we've definitely built a kind of lifestyle um, business for ourselves and it's maybe taken a little while for me to come to terms with that, but I have come to terms with that. And if I look back over the last three years, I've got, I've got a two year old daughter and the amount of time that I've been able to spend with her and my family and I'm the same for Mark, you know, Mark's, Mark's a family man. And, um, the amount of time that we've, we've been able to spend with our family and the work life balance, you can't, you can't buy that, you know, but yeah, maybe we're not we're not hitting the financial numbers that we'd we'd love to hit. But is it a success? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we're we're every day. I actually look forward to coming to work. I, I love I love chatting with Mark. I've loved the team members that we've had along the way. Um, we do interesting work. Yes, it can be frustrating sometimes. You know, sometimes we're tearing our hair out. But I never I never dread like booting up the laptop in the morning and, and and getting stuck in and um yeah it's 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 been a massive success in, in that point of view from that point of view and hopefully hopefully going forward i really feel like the kind of crossroads we're at now is going to be a catalyst for for better things but to be honest if they stayed the way they are then we're not doing too badly so yeah, great. I, I like to flip that. When you get to that point, instead of a work-life balance, it becomes a life-work balance, I yeah. always think, because it, you, you start to realize that the, the other part is the important part and not planning your life around your work, but planning your work around your life. Um, and on that, actually, how, how many hours in a day would you say you, you both work? Are they, uh, are they deliberately short because of that or are they longer because you're fitting in work around all of other things in life? Um, at the moment, I've been playing a lot of golf, so <laughs> <laughs> this week's been a bit less than normal. But um, family man, you say family yeah. man? <laughs> Fam- I'm playing with my dad, so yeah, it's family. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Describing to the seven-hour work week there. <laughs> uh, no, this week's been slightly less than, than normal, but uh, so I don't know. But we'd we'll have to look. We, we track most of everything we do, don't we? So we could probably tell you the exact numbers if we did run a, run a run a report, but. Um, in terms of billable time, then it's probably more like five hours a day or something like that. But mm-hmm. in terms of like when you're actually working like 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 this, if you're classing this is at work, for example, then certainly do eight hours a day, possibly slightly more. And that's where I think I think people looking outside in at what you do and, and the lifestyle you have, you know, you you you're flexible working, you're working from home. Um, I think they're quite surprised when you say, well, yeah, I do do eight and a half hours a day or nine hours a day, and then sometimes a bit at weekend. They're quite surprised at that sometimes. Oh, I thought you would only do like you know, seven hours and wander off on that and do this. But uh, that's for me anyway. I mean, we, we tend to do the same, don't we, Keith? That's, that's yeah. why we're, well, it works well, you know. We, we don't check up on each other's hours or anything because we know that we're putting it in, essentially. Yeah, as long as we're getting the job done, really. And yep. Like, yeah, we'll both make up time we we both quite often work in the evenings because of childcare commitments during the day so we like i do drop offs in the mornings and things so i tend to start a bit later and then then dinner time rolls around and you want to have dinner with family and then yeah so i'll jump on in the evenings quite often and get a, get a few a few hours done in the evenings so um it all work it all works out as long as we're getting the stuff done it doesn't really matter too much yeah that's what, i suppose that's, that's what i love about it though just the flexibility of it you know you don't have yeah. to have that nine to five 
come in, sit down, work for nine hours, whatever it is, and then finish. It can be very flexible. You know, when the kids have gone to bed, I can jump on and finish off. And sometimes that, I find that's the most productive time for me, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, kids have gone to bed, and then you just do a couple of hours, get through a few bits and bobs. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose that's sort of value-based working, essentially, isn't it? In that you're just delivering what you say you're going to deliver um, in the amount of time that you've got available to do it in. So if you want to work four hours a day and that's what you want to do because you want to say spend the morning working and then the afternoon golfing you can do that as long as you're doing your job and you're delivering what you say you're going to deliver and you're paying your bills and stuff there really is no harm in doing that and in you two both have the flexibility of doing that i suppose that's one of the benefits actually of, of working remotely from each other is that if you were you know very close proximity you might have you know a, a, an office space or something where you both work out of and there would be more of that going to work nine to five kind of situation but because you work from home you have a greater flexibility there as as well which might be another bonus for remote working i guess absolutely and it's actually interesting that, that i think that was one of the things that actually became more difficult as we had as we grew the team a little bit um was that you actually do ne- feel like you need to be at your desk for that for that nine to five period more often because that's when other people are maybe there and you, you need to be there to answer questions and have team meetings, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it'll be interesting if, if we do decide to grow again, how we, how we handle that and keep the flexibility that we want, but have the team that we want. So mm-hmm. that's, that's going to be a challenge going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I just have one question about your um, services on your site. Um, so you obviously you do WordPress design development and so on. You've got a couple here that WP Broadbean and Logic Melon, which both seem to be kind of job based systems are they specialisms that you have or are they just kind of things that you you also do i suppose yeah they are specialisms i suppose we um we've done them for a while now so uh, broadbean and logic melon and there are others as well are uh, like multiple job posting systems so you you kind of if you're a recruiter maybe you write a job in those and then it can be distributed to many different places uh, and the service that we offer is that we make one of those places your WordPress site so that you can have it delivered to your own website as well as to maybe the popular job boards and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are two of the areas where we sell uh, plugins that will do this for you. So um, one of them is we, one of them is actually for free on the WordPress.org repository. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got a couple of paid versions um, for the so much integrate with the job manager plugin, WP Job Manager, which mm-hmm. quite a lot of people tend to use for this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was just kind of a niece that kind of fell into our laps, really. Um, I think yeah, it was me, wasn't it? Before we before we started High Rise, just I did some work with it. So a client asked for it, learned how to do it. Then another client asked for it. Then I wrote about it. Then people found me on the line, and then someone else asked me about it. And then I eventually kind of formalised it into a more more of a, a plugin based system rather than having to develop it every time. Yeah, sure. So, so okay. yeah, we get quite a lot of inquiries about that, to be honest. We've just literally got one as we've been speaking. <laughs> oh, right. Great. <laughs> good, luck, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, it's interesting. It's just, it's, it's interesting because I found it sort of, I was trying to work out whether it was like a specialism, like a, like a, almost like some people base their whole agency or their whole, mm. you know, business around a, a particular specialism. Um, and you could argue that that's essentially what you're doing. It's WordPress that you're doing development. It's not web design in general. It's WordPress specific. Yeah. So there's that, and then there's this kind of other little niche, which is um, kind of jobs. These job 
kind of integrations as well. And I wondered how much of your business is those things versus other work. I was just trying to work out the balance there because they arguably they take up as much space as the other services on your services page. I just wonder where the balance was there. I think off the top of my head, they're probably about 25% of what we do okay. um, in terms of our sort of like workload and stuff on those those uh, those integrations. Uh, possibly a bit more. I'd have to have a look at the numbers again. But yeah. uh, like I said, we do get quite a lot of inquiries about them because we're, uh, we've done them before. We know how to do them, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's interesting um, having that kind of a central kind of jobs repository somewhere else and then having that filter down to all these different locations, including your website. A lot of the sites that I've worked on have been, you've got your jobs board using like WP board yeah. or you know yeah. jobs manager or whatever it might be, and then those get pushed out to third party services. So yeah, no, it makes uh, it kind of makes more sense the other way around, really. But um, all the all the applications as well, they go back to that central place where you posted a job. So essentially, you just log into this one service, mm-hmm. um, and then your job can get distributed around the web, including your own website, and then all the applications from those places go back to the same place as well. So you've just got this one central place to manage your jobs and applications and candidates and things like that sure yeah okay yeah no interesting um yeah i guess we should wrap it up and because uh, you know the main reason we want to speak to you guys because you've you've gone from freelancing to this sort of super team um you know agency if anyone was a freelancer and thinking of doing a similar thing you know teaming up finding somebody is there any tips or what would you say to those people putting you on the spot here now totally uh for me it would be you've got to find the right person if you want to team up with someone you know what i mean and actually it was pretty obvious for me and keith that within a few weeks of working i would say we were that we were a good match a good team um and that's important and i think for me that's just gut feeling as much as anything and and you know the obvious but just gut feeling um, so it's really important that you get the right person if you, if you can't and, and that you want the same direction as well so I mean Keith mentioned before like we had lots of conversations where I was like oh yeah me too and me too and me too we want to do this me too and that's important you don't want to end up where you, where you want to pull in different directions um, because it's just going to just going to end up arguing and falling out basically and the business won't work um, but for me it was I mean I probably think that we, we could have done this earlier but would it have made much difference in terms of like where we are now? Probably not. Um, but it's not as scary as it perhaps first seems when you when you try and when you're thinking about it. Yeah, I but think don't, like don't worry about it. <laughs> the big, I guess, the big fear is that is that kind of lack of freedom. Like you're you're accountable to each other, um, but actually, I think that's one of the massive benefits of it too. Um, I'd say I'd say try it out first. So Mark and I worked together for nearly two years before we started High Rise. Um, so I'd say that's pretty important. And I, th- I think when it comes to like f- finding a partner, if that's, if that's what you're going to do, it's really important, like Mark says, that you, you share a lot of values and principles. But I think it's also important that you're different enough. Um, in, in some ways, actually, Mark and I could do with a third person who has characteristics that we don't have. Like we could probably do with someone who's a bit more extroverted, um, for example, uh, in the business, like to help with maybe the sales side of things. Um, that might help. But yeah, I think like Mark and I are, are similar in a lot of ways, but we've, we're actually very, very different in some fundamental ways too. And I think that helps. I mean, 
it creates this, um, I guess it's like a creative tension. And I think really good things, if, if that's managed well, that, that tension, I think it can be a really positive thing. Um, if it's not managed well, it can obviously be destructive. But Mark and I have, we've, we've kept our relationship like really positive and strong the whole way through. And we're very honest and open with each other. Um, so that those, those tension points have, have often uh, delivered like kind of great results because we're challenging each other all the time and we'll maybe come up with solutions that we wouldn't have thought of on our own. Um, so yeah, those would be my, my bits of advice. And I think my general advice as well to anyone starting something and it's something we we're still struggling to do is, is to find, find a niche of some kind because just being a WordPress person isn't enough of a niche anymore. Mm. Uh, it, it was, but I think l- like we have with the, uh, the recruitment side of things, I think it, it's good to find a specialism and, and niche down into that. I think the last point for me is just honesty uh, and having an open yeah. door policy almost, you know, so if uh, don't ever be afraid to jump on a call and say, why are we doing this? That's a ridiculous idea. Uh, and, and anyone should be able to say that without fear that it's a, you know, a no go area. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think that's, well, they definitely apply to a- any relationship in any, you know, team as well. And yeah. yeah. Uh, it's really nice to chat to you guys and, you know, hear the transition and, and the changes and, you know, and the success, I guess, because it is, you've doubled down on, on yourselves and you've, you know, you have become something, you know, more than just the two of you, um, which is, you know, it's really cool to hear. Uh, and I guess finally, so where can we find you online, both of you and High Rise? So HiRise, uh, Digital. Uh, that's our, our company website. Uh, I am WP Mark on Twitter, uh, and we're at HiRise Digital on Twitter. Yeah, and I'm Keith Devon on Twitter. Um, yeah, that's, that's it pretty much. Nice. Yeah, it was good chatting to you guys. And yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for coming on. And obviously, we've sort of run over our, <laughs> we normally sort of say to each other, <laughs> less than 30, 40 minutes. So let's keep it keep it brief and then we always go over an hour and we've probably gone over that even more so yeah i do we do appreciate your time and um yes yeah, nice to chat to some other people that's been great. a pleasure thanks for having us on the show yeah it's been really great to talk thanks guys as always thanks for listening and we would appreciate a review and we're on itunes and you can easily find the link by going to pressingmatters.fm forward slash review and then you can uh, drop us a, a review a comment um give us a five star rating if possible and If you do have any ideas or um, anything you specifically want to listen to us talk about or any topics you want us to discuss, then please contact us via pressingmatters.fm forward slash contact. 